Thank you, Rocco. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Chicho, good to see you and your dog all the way out there in Colorado, bro. Love it, love it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, good morning. Uh, as Rocco mentioned, Camp Yurikoina, uh, we're we're coming down to our final decision. Uh, not the fact that, that we're, we were stalling, but uh, we, we decided that May 30th would be our uh, vote date, if you want to uh, call it that, or a decision date. So we're meeting on the 30th uh, one more time to, to decide what will happen. Uh, but that will, all I will say is just continue to pray for that. Um, so uh, this morning uh, is, is a message that I think um, it's going to be hard. Um, maybe to hear, definitely to share, but uh, I also think it's, it's going to be a message that we need to be reminded of, uh, especially in this time, especially in what we're facing, especially as believers. Um, and, and that is the, the idea of what is truth. What is truth? Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, we are living in unprecedented times or difficult times or challenging times. Uh, we've heard, we've stated, we've read all these statements about what we're experiencing right now in the world. Um, so much so that we've either grown sick of hearing it, tired of hearing it, or it just bores us. And we're like, okay, we get it. It's enough. You know, I don't need to hear it anymore. I know what time we're in. I know what we're all going through. We don't need to keep just beating a dead horse, so to speak, or belaboring the point. We just, can we just keep moving on? The other thing that I think we've experienced a lot of in this, in this time uh, is the amount of people who have all of a sudden become experts, right, on anything, whether it be political, medical, social, economical, and they all just start sharing whatever they want on social media. Now, that's not wrong. Social media is a platform that allows us to do that, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We have the right to do that. Uh, but it seems like we've all become experts in all these things, in any article, any blog, any video, <clears throat> any post that that we agree with or we think to be truth, we decide to share. That you know anything that kind of goes along with our argument or our point, we put it out there because we want people to know where we stand. We want people to know what we think is true. And, and that's for everybody. Uh, unfortunately, believers get caught up with it too. We, we've seen that. No one, no one has been, let's say, exempt from doing this. We're, we're all guilty in some way, shape, or form. We all try to promote a truth that we think you know, goes along with what we believe or what our thought processes are. Um, ultimately, you know, there's, that means there's a lot of stuff being put out there. Ultimately, that means there's a lot of things for people to decipher and kind of try to get through the wash with, so to speak. Um, but here's the issue. We as believers, we know what is truth. I would hope so. I would hope we know what is truth, uh, especially in a world that keeps asking, what is truth, especially in a postmodern, a relative world that says, hey, your truth might not be my truth. So therefore, we have a lot of people in the world today, and I think it's been something that's been going on for years, but now we're just seeing it more and more come to the front, come to the forefront, because of the ability that we have to, to share things uh, through social media, through the internet, through whatever. Um, and it leaves a lot of people asking, what is truth? The same question, if you know this, was actually asked to Jesus. Jesus didn't ask the question. It's a great uh, game to play with people. Go up and ask them, hey, who asked the question, what is truth? Many people will think it was Jesus. Many people will think it was a disciple. But it actually wasn't. Uh, John 18, 
33 through 38, we, we read of the interaction of Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate's asking Jesus all these questions, questions and Jesus finally answers him, and, and he says this in, in that passage. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in this man. I find no guilt in him. You know, Pilate was the one in that moment as the governor of Judea, as the Roman representative. He was the one who was supposed to decipher and determine what was the truth. But as he was seeing before him, he was getting many truths thrown at him. Uh, whether what Jesus was saying, what the Jews were telling him, what he was just seeing with his own eyes. And it left him basically, I would say, confused. So he basically dismisses anything Jesus says because he's basically saying, I don't know what is truth right now. So think about that. The man who was supposed to determine and decipher the truth in the moment had no idea how to do so, was left basically flabbergasted or exasperated. And basically just goes out and says, I find no fault in him and looks to basically free Jesus the rest of the way. But it got me thinking, what is the truth for us as a believer? Is it not the gospel? Is not the gospel truth the ultimate truth that we hold to in our lives? Yes, you would say, well, biblical truth is the truth, but the gospel is basically the Bible, the whole story of the Bible that's coming to the forefront in the New Testament, especially in the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Is not the gospel our priority? Is it not our number one truth that we should hold to in all our lives as believers? It is. It is, right? If, if we say the gospel is truth, and if we say it's the good news of Jesus Christ, it's the thing that should bring everything together for us. It's the thing that should determine our lives. It's the thing that should help us to share the message and promote who Jesus is to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. And, and then the next question that comes to our mind, or you might actually hear, what makes the gospel the truth. What makes the gospel the truth? Now, the immediate response is obviously the easy Sunday school answer, right? And that is Jesus. Jesus is, <laughs> is what makes the gospel truth. And, and that is not incorrect, folks. That is not wrong. You're not wrong in thinking that or believing that. You know, you're, you're right in, in saying that because we would say Jesus is the gospel and Jesus is the truth. And I think that's what all the gospel writers try to tell us, that yes, you find the truth of the good news in and through Jesus Christ. So let's, let's do this. Let's go back to the beginning. And I'm not talking about Genesis. Let's go back to the beginning of all the Gospels. Uh, just like the famous Indigo Montoya said in The Princess Bride, you know, Vicinia told me to go back to the beginning, so I have, here I am, here I will stay. We need to go back to the beginning sometimes. Just like that, where we're confused, where we misunderstand things, we need to go back to the beginning. And so here we see in, in the beginning of all the Gospels, the Gospel writers are declaring why what they are sharing about Jesus Christ is truth. You think about Matthew in his first 17 verses. He lists the genealogy of Jesus from Abraham to Jesus Christ. And he basically is saying all the promises that were made to Abraham about the offspring and being a father of many nations and the Messiah coming through your line were true because that line never broke. 
And here it is now coming to completion in Jesus Christ. Think about all the things that that genealogy went through. Wars, exile, nation changes, all this different stuff, all those years, and it survived. We live in a world right now where genealogies cease to exist maybe after a few generations. Think of World War I. Many families, many genealogies cease to exist after that because of the deaths from war or the deaths from the flu pandemic that came after. So Matthew is saying, hey, this is true. This gospel that I'm sharing with you is true. Jesus Christ is true because the promise of him has survived through all of this, and now it's coming to completion. Uh, we think of Luke in his first four verses of his gospel. He's writing to Theophilus, and he says basically, hey, Theophilus, I, I've taken all the accounts. I, I've taken all the witnesses' testimonies and what they've said about Jesus Christ, and I've decided to put mine own together, and I am writing this to you so that you may be certain, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Basically, certainty that, of who Jesus Christ is and that you can believe in him. I'm writing to you so that you can, for 100%, without a doubt, be sure that this gospel is true and Jesus Christ is true. And then we look at Mark. Um, he is a terrible, terrible essay writer, terrible thesis writer. He comes right out and, and gives you his main point. He doesn't give you a nice little intro paragraph and then, and then throw his main point at the end like we've all been taught to do in English composition class. He just comes right out and says it in his first, in his opening line. He says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's it. That's what I'm going to be telling you about. That's what I'm going to be talking to you about. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Nothing else. This is it. This is what you need to hold on to. This is what you need to be focusing on. And then we see in John, in his long introduction, uh, in chapter one of his gospel, about the word, about in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then he skips down, and he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, for him, his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. Basically, John is saying Jesus is God in the flesh. Come to this earth to bring light and life while making the truth and grace of God available through himself. That, that is each gospel writer's foundation for them going on and springboarding off to sharing the good news about Jesus Christ and who he is. And it's something to think about. It's something to really consider. Because if we don't have those foundations, if we don't have that truth, then, then where do we go from, right? Where do we, where do we spring off into? How do, we, how do we know the good news is true? Well, then we see the gospel truth played out in, in those writings. Um, there are many stories. We know them. Um, as John says at the end of his gospel, if he were to write everything that Jesus did, everything that we knew, everything that we saw, you know, there wouldn't be enough books to hold it. Uh, but here is John, or here are the gospel writers, doing their best to include certain stories and sayings and teachings that truly confirm the truth of the gospel. So we, we think of the interactions. Think of all the interactions, the encounters that Jesus had with different people. 
and, and think about how those interactions range from from you know teachers of the law you know pharisees to prostitutes tax collectors social outcasts lepers etc 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 you know the, the list is long you know we can throw out a lot of different people that jesus interacted with but each each interaction is meaningful and, and it has a message that goes along with it and, and and that is to say that who jesus is and what he is offering or bringing about is life-changing and it's available for all people no matter their social economic or political position political position no matter whether they agree with jesus or not no matter whether they fully understand it or not all of this all of what he is doing in his interaction is to show the world that the gospel is available for all that he came to make the gospel known to all of humankind not just certain people not just a certain you know little sect of of jews but all people all people throughout all the world and so we, we think of some of those interactions and, and i'm going to just list them to you we're not going to go down dive deep that'll take too long we're just going to kind of quick hit and move on but but some of the interactions that came to my mind when thinking about jesus living out or being the truth of the gospel or sharing the truth of the gospel are, are as follows first off you have the leper in Mark uh, 1, 40 through 45, and, and the leper comes up to him and says, Lord, you know, if you will, uh, you know, heal me and, and or make me clean. And Jesus says, I will. And he touches him. But first it says that he had pity on him. You know, he says, here's this man. He's been suffering. He's been a social outcast. And Jesus says, I will be clean and touches him. Think about that interaction there and how that um, embodies the gospel. Jesus willing to to go to and meet somebody and touch somebody that everyone would quote unquote social distance from because of what they had. Uh, think about uh, Nicodemus, the teacher of the law, the Pharisee that we see in in John chapter three verses one through twenty one. You know, Jesus tells Nicodemus, "You must be born again." And Nicodemus gets all confused because he's thinking, "How can I, you know, be born again out of my mother? That's impossible." Jesus, uh, Jesus is like, "No, no, 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 no. That's not that. That's not it. You're, you're missing the point here. And you're a teacher of the law. You're supposed to get these things." But the culmination of it is, he says, "The Son of Man." must be lifted up so that everyone who looks to him or everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And then we know he goes on into John 3, 16. We know that that verse well. We would say, hey, if there is a central verse to the gospel, this is it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But back to the, the, the idea uh, of the truth of the gospel. In John 3 16 you know that is what we hold to um, and that is what we need to remember that the gospel is available for all so so moving on in those encounters we see the woman at the well uh, that famous encounter of Jesus encountering a Samaritan woman at the well and basically he offers her living water and gets her curiosity peak where finally he says hey go and call your husband and she says I have no husband and the Lord's like, yeah, right and saying, because the five guys, you've had five husbands and the guy that you have now is not your husband. And she says, hey, sir, I perceive you to be a prophet. And he goes on and on. And she, he basically tells her that this gospel, this good news will bring about worship in, in spirit and truth. It's not about where we worship. It's not about the building. It's not about the place. It's not about the mountain or the temple or wherever. It's the fact that those who truly believe in the gospel, those who are truly followers of God, will worship him wherever they are. 
and can worship him wherever they are because there will be no need for a temple. There will be no need for a building. And, and that's the beautiful thing because we know the spirit dwells in us. And that is the great truth of the gospel. We see that in, in this interaction. And she goes back and she tells all the villagers, you know, come and see this man. Can he be the Messiah? You know, he's told me everything about me. And they, they all follow her and they finally say, hey, listen, you know, at the end, um, yeah, we, we came because of what you said. But now that we've heard and now that we've seen him, we believe it for ourselves. So we see the beauty of, of how the gospel there brings in those that are, are marginalized, those that are, are sitting on the outside, or those are the people that we don't want to associate with. Um, and, but the gospel brings those people in as well, and it can change their life and turn their life around. And then finally, we have uh, the woman caught in adultery, and where Jesus does that whole thing of writing in the dirt and basically says, he is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they all go away one by one because they know their sin. And he says, is there anyone left to condemn you? And she says, no one. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So the gospel there that, you know, the, the impact it should have is that the Lord Jesus doesn't condemn us. He's come to save us. But the moment that interaction we have with him, when we meet him there in that way, we should be going changed uh, forevermore and live a life that reflects that change. And then ultimately, we see in, in, in the feeding of the 5,000, uh, it says that Jesus saw the great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The gospel shows the compassionate heart of God towards his people. It shows through Jesus Christ that God is the God of steadfast love, that God is the one who is full of mercy, full of grace, full of truth, and that he wants to give that to people and share that with people. And so that is all made possible through Jesus Christ, who can provide that. He can, he can provide it even when you think it's impossible, just like he provided all that food uh, to feed the 5,000, and, and they were all satisfied. And, and all the stories just, just keep going. We can, we can name so many. We can think of so many, like Blind Bartimaeus or Zacchaeus in the tree, all these little Sunday school stories that might stand out to us for those of us who have been in the church a long time. Um, but they all show through these interactions the truth of the gospel. They show the changed lives. They show that the gospel is for everyone and can reach everyone, no matter who they are, where they are, or, or where they stand in society. Uh, the other things that stand out and, and really drive home the truth of the gospel are the statements that Jesus makes. Now listen, for those of you who have a, have a Bible in front of you and, and you have the red letter edition, you know, there is a lot of red letters in the first four books of the New Testament in those Gospels. Those are all Jesus' words. As we always say, a lot of people I know when they buy a Bible, they'll look for the, the words of Jesus Christ in red, just so we can easily you know, decipher what Jesus is saying amongst all the other things that other people are saying. But, but there is a lot of red um, in those Gospels. And all those messages, all those things that Jesus is sharing uh, is important and truly bring out the focus, truly bring out the truth of the gospel. Think about the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, Matthew chapter five through seven. Yeah, it's, it's three chapters long. It's not just a little paragraph. It's a whole, whole section of Matthew. And, and it starts off with the Beatitudes, basically the attitudes that we should have in living out the gospel, the attitudes that we should have in, in living out the life that God wants us to. Um, it also shows how the gospel impacts our attitude. Uh, and living on a daily basis and, and handling certain things um, that, you know, we, we might think are difficult to, to agree on or difficult to decipher. Uh, but the gospel impacts all those areas. And, and then we think about the other stories, the other parables, like the parable of the good sower. 
um, where the good soil, you know, the seed falls on the good soil and it produces fruit. And, and that good soil is those who receive the word, you know, and allow it to grow in their heart. They receive the gospel and they allow it to grow and they allow it to, to have an impact on their life and, and go out and live it out and, and bear fruit for God. Uh, but then we look at the, the parable of the Good Samaritan where Jesus is, is asked by the lawyer, what is, what is the greatest commandment? And, the Lord, and Jesus says, love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer says, that's good, but who's my neighbor? And, and Jesus then goes and tells that story of the Samaritan about how the Samaritan is the one who, who helps the beaten man on the road and not the Jewish leaders who should have, who just all pass by on the other side. And we see at the end, Jesus asked the question, who, who is this man's neighbor? And the lawyer asked the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. And it's this idea that we as believers, if we truly believe in the gospel, we are to show mercy even to those people that we don't agree with, even to those people who hate us. And, and it's not just mercy of like, I'll put up with what they're throwing at me, but it's also, I am willing to help them. And, and no matter the cost, no matter what it takes, no matter what they're going through, to, to help them out of the hurt position that they are in so that they can be made whole, that they can hear the gospel and come to Jesus Christ. It's a great story, and, and that's what mercy is supposed to do. And then we think about some of the things that Jesus said just directly. Think about John eight thirty one and 32, where he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, and the Son sets you free you will be free indeed. Jesus is basically saying, if you know the truth of the gospel, if you know the truth about who I am and what I've come to do, you will be set free. You will know that truth and it will truly be freeing to you. And it's because the son is the one who sets you free. That is the truth. The son of God, Jesus Christ himself, is the one who sets you free from sin and death and the wrath of God and now gives you eternal life. Or Mark 10.45, where he says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to, to have myself pleased, to have myself propped up. I came to serve others. I came to give everything I have, give everything up to ransom all mankind, to save all mankind by my death, by my sacrifice, by my love for all of you. I'm willing to give it all up. And he didn't complain one bit. As we know, Isaiah says, he, you know, he didn't, basically, he didn't complain at all. Uh, he remained silent as he went to the slaughter. We think of John 10 where he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. And all that means uh, for us, basically saying, I, I came that they, have, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I've come. I, the good shepherd, have come so that people can have life. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay my life down and then take it up again. So that can all be made possible. I'm going to sacrifice myself so that everyone can have this opportunity to know that I am the good shepherd. And then Matthew 11:28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus. He's saying, Come to me because I can help you. I can give you the peace that you need. I can give you the rest that you need. I, I can give it to you 100% truly, not as the world gives, but as I give. And then finally, the ultimate culmination of the truth of the gospel, Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is basically saying, you want to know the, the truth of the gospel? You want to know it in one simple statement? It's, it's I am the way, the truth, and the life. The gospel is me. The 
gospel is through me. Good news is from me, through me, and by me. And it's the only way. Yes, it is exclusive in that way, but it's the only way to come to the Father. It's the only way to have that eternal life that is promised. And then he shares at the, in the middle of Luke there about us who do follow him. He says in Luke 9, 23 and 24, that if you want to be my disciple, if you truly want to follow me, then take up your cross and follow me. Be willing to sacrifice, be willing to give up things, give up rights to follow me and, and to share the gospel and truly see the world come to know who I am. Be willing to go that far because guess what? I was willing to go that far for you or I am willing to go that far for you. And he proves that ultimately, as we already mentioned, in being crucified, dying on the cross, buried, and then rising again. And we see that in all the Gospels. We see that he was forsaken by God, that he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then finally, when he, he breathed his last, he cried out, it is finished. And, and, and then we see in that resurrection story that he is not here. He is risen. All this coming to the head in this story of crucifixion and resurrection. We see all this in the Gospels. And this was just a quick overview. And like I said, we didn't have time to go into depth. But I encourage you, on your own, go back through the Gospels. Go back through all four of them. Read them consecutively or read them together. You know, one chapter each week together, chapter one together, chapter two together of all the Gospels. I encourage you, go back and look at these things and see how the truth of the Gospel comes alive in the stories, in the teachings, and ultimately in Jesus' sacrifice and his resurrection. It's something that I think we need to be reminded of. It's something that we need to know and, and to really allow to, to come into our hearts and to come into our minds so that we can live it out. You know, we, we know that Paul took a lot of time in Romans to explain the gospel. He, he, he lays it out bare to the Romans in his letter there, and he says, it is the power of God. It is the power of God to all who believe, first to the Jew and, and also to the Greek. And, and Paul understood that. And we need to remember that there is power in the gospel. If we truly believe in that, it has the power to do what the Lord wants it to do, not in our lives only, but also in the lives of everyone we come in contact with. So what's the point? Why bring this all up? Why go through this? Why talk about this? Um, it's basically this. We live in a time where we need People need to know what is truth. And I'm going to tell you this, and, and I know this might upset some people, basically, uh, in a sense, in essence, on, on what I was hearing right before our meeting started. Um, the truth of the gospel is this. It, it's the truth, salvation, all we need ultimately is found in Jesus Christ. And no political party, no political ideology, no economic system, no economic ideology, no country, no nation. No government representative, no government idea, no government plan, no government work program can match that, can offer what the gospel offers us. You know, we live in a world, as I keep saying, that, that needs the gospel. It is hurting. It is desperate for truth. And, and my point to us believers is what are we sharing? What are we ultimately sharing? What are we prioritizing in our lives? Not only as we just go through day to day, but as we interact with people. Is it the gospel? Is it the truth of the gospel? And, and we, we have to ask that and be honest with ourselves. You know, John wrote in, in John 20, 30 through 31, I write these things so that you may believe in his name and know that you have eternal life. And then Matthew writes that, we, knowing all this, knowing what the gospel is, we are to go out into all the world, make disciples of all nations, preaching the gospel. 
We, we need to be about the truth of the gospel in what we do, in what we say, and what we share. Because if we want the world to believe it, if we want the world to come to it, then we can't pollute it with anything else. We can't add anything else to it. We can't make anything else above it or a priority. Um, think about Paul when he writes in Galatians um, chapter 1. He's writing to a church that has basically distorted the gospel. He's like, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. As we have said before you, so I, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Paul is basically saying there is no other gospel. There is not, nothing to add to it. There is nothing to um, promote above it. This is the gospel. Don't allow anyone to tell you differently. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth. It, and, and it's all about him and what he's done for us. It's not about what a political party can do. It's not about saying, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, so I have to vote Republican. Or I believe in Jesus Christ, and I have to vote Democrat. It's not about that. That's what we add to it as a society. That's what we've added to it in America. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. If we want people to fully understand the gospel, then we need to preach it as is, bar none, nothing else added to it. Nothing else above it. And, and I, I know it's hard to think of, and I know it's hard to hear, and let me tell you, it's hard to say because I'm speaking to myself first. But the truth of the gospel is what we need to make priority. And, as, and if we are to take what Ken shared with us in Philippians last week and, and a few weeks ago, if we are to live a life worthy of the gospel, or if we are to be encouraged that the gospel is being advanced no matter what we're going through, like Paul was in Philippians, then the truth of the gospel needs to take priority in, in our lives. If that's what we want the world to see, if that's what we want the world to know, then it needs to be clear in us, and we can't allow anything to distort it. And sadly, as I, as I look out, and, and this is not just me, this is a lot of people thinking of this, as I look out into the world today, and see what's going on and see what Christians are sharing. Sadly, I see a lot more believers sharing about political parties and why you should vote. And if you don't vote Republican in November, well, guess what? You've basically let God leave the country. That's not the gospel. We're adding to that. That's not what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about what Jesus Christ has, Christ has taught us, the truths that we find in him, about him, and from him. And we are not just supposed to believe in them, but we are supposed to live them out and share them with others. So, so I challenge myself, and I challenge every single one of us. Are we living out the truth of the gospel? Is that what people know us about as an individual believer and as a church? Or do they think of us when they look at us or hear us or look at our, our social media pages? Do they associate us with something different? Do they associate us first off with a political party or an ideology or whatever? Because if we really want the world to change, if we really want the world to know the truth and know that there is someone out there who has given good news, who gives eternal life and loves them with an everlasting love, then the truth of the gospel is what needs to be number one in our lives. I pray and I hope that we make it so. Um, and like I said, it is a challenging thing to consider. It is a challenging thing to think about. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm sure it makes us all feel uncomfortable. But it's the truth of the gospel that matters the most. And, and I pray and, and hope that we would go back and be honest with ourselves 
and, and how we can allow that to impact our lives and live it out for the rest of the world to see. Alan.